Uh, go ahead and say it with me. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Say it again. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There is one infallible, one absolute and accurate test for fear in your life. And what this will do is it will take a foundational teaching to a degree, because I believe uh, in this room are, are serious believers. They want serious results. You want God to use you. And because of that, you're willing to go up higher. How do you know if we want to go up higher spiritually, we have to eat and feast at a higher level? I mean, Bill, how many times have you heard Bill Winston say that? We can't go up if we don't what? Eat at a higher level. We have to nourish at a higher level. And I want you to start with me over in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to read this from verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Uh, pastor's not calling you brood of vipers tonight, amen. But this is the text, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. Say that with me, stored up. How does it get there? It's stored up. How does faith get there? It's stored up. How does fear get there? It's stored up. It didn't happen in one night. Now the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Now, you see this scripture, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned, or you will be justified. We know that's true because that's how we got saved. We, we believed in our heart, and we what, said with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and confession was what? Made unto salvation. So we understand that this has something to do with our salvation. But I want you to see this again. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There are only two choices when it comes to the contents and to the revelation of what's in your heart. Two spiritual forces specifically that are there in abundance because we have stored them there. And one is the spirit of faith and one is the spirit of fear. I would like to sit here and tell you that there are 50 choices of what can come out of your heart but there's only two choices. You're either operating in faith or you're operating in fear. And listen very carefully. Your mouth at any given time will indicate what is stored up there at that moment. Your mouth will indicate at that moment whether you're in faith or whether you're in fear. Now, sometimes it's really obvious. For example, when we went years ago to pray for my grandmother, my dad and I did, and um, he asked me to come up from Murray, and we left from Mary, and we drove to where she was outside of St. Louis on the Illinois side, and uh, we prayed the prayer of faith. She had congestive heart failure, and, and she wasn't doing well at all, and um, laid hands on her, prayed the prayer of faith, and as soon as I got done saying amen, she lifted her little head off the pillow, looked at me, and what did she say, church? I'm going to die. Now, obviously, we understand that that is what? That's not the spirit of faith operating. The problem is you and I have gotten to a place, I believe, hopefully, amen, because the first this is not your first teaching on the power of the tongue. 
Can I have a better amen than that? We've, we've gone down the road a little bit further than this, and so we've mastered some of these things, and I hope that if I went to the hospital to pray for you, you wouldn't lift your little head off the pillow and look at me and say, what? I'm going to die, because you've been trained better than that. She's had no training on that. In fact, she wasn't even born again until after she got sick. She lived 50 years or more in that church, German Lutheran Church, and it wasn't until you know, I asked her one day, Did you, have you ever repented of your sin and given your life to Christ? She told me no. And right there in the hospital in Staunton, Illinois, she gave her life to Christ. I know where she is today, not because of perfection, not because she lacked faith to be healed or because she demonstrated her lack of knowledge, but because she what? She confessed Christ. Amen? So I know where she's at, but that's explicit to us, isn't it? You know, when we can hear somebody talk like that a mile away, we know that person's not operating in faith. But where you and I are at today, because we want to go to a higher level, it's much more subtle than that. So say it with me, it's either faith or it's fear coming out of my heart. Those are the only two choices. In fact, we don't want to hear this, but we need to hear this if we want to go to a new level. Say, I want to go. Look at somebody said, do you want to go with me? Every word you say is either originating from a place of fear or a place of faith. The closer we come to what we're supposed to be, we're going to be what? Habitual faith talkers. Now, only you and the Holy Ghost know exactly where you're at tonight. And so the test is to try to help you discern exactly where you are any given time. Because how many know there's nothing static about us? I wish we could just build our faith up and then plateau and then stay there. But that's not how this works. Your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. And your faith level doesn't stay up just because you built it up one time because you listen to 50 faith tapes and you shout it and you dance and you praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden life happens. Guess what? Just like your body has to be nourished day by day, you have to put food into the system for it to break it down into a thing called physical strength and nourish the cells of your body. You have to keep putting the Word of God in your eyes and your ears and have it coming out of your mouth so it can nourish you spiritually. Turn to somebody and tell them you must put it in the system. So what does I tell you? I can have a big meal, say, on Thanksgiving and not eat for 50 days. What's going to happen to me? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> That's true. In that case, I'm going to die. But I don't do that in the natural, so why can I think that I, I can possibly get super fed spiritually and then get lazy for the next couple of months without having some you know, what impact my life? And what's going to happen is... If I'm not pouring the Word of God in, I'm pouring all these other, you know, inputs in, and the result's, the result's going to be either the spirit of faith or the spirit of fear. And how can I tell that? The one infallible and accurate test for fear in our lives is what comes out of our mouths, period. What comes out of our mouth proves whether I'm operating in faith or what? Or fear. Now, where we go with this is not just about, you know, Grandma Hines and I'm going to die or, or talking death or fear, or doubt, and unbelief. That's really a starting point. This is where you begin to get into the details of how we function every single day. And if we really want to see God use us, then we have to really guard our hearts, but also police what? Our mouths. And how do you know nobody can do it for you? In fact, I doubt anybody even wants to do it for you. Change the contents of your heart and you'll change the confession of your mouth. That's the only way to do it. Say that with me. If I'll change the contents of my heart, I will change, say it with me, change, change 
change. How? The confession of my mouth is changed by the contents of my heart. Now, how did my heart get like that? Well, you're the one that let it get like that. You built up fear in the heart for some time, and it's going to take some time to remove it and replace it with faith. You need a steady diet of the word going in your eyes, ears, and your mouth for that to take place. Um, I wish we could just kind of say, Shazam, Wednesday night you were here, so you're fine for the next month. Or you were here for Sunday morning. You heard every message on one thing, so you're good to go. Not going to happen. Amen? Some of you have already forgot what one thing is. We don't stay renewed just because we're living and breathing. We have to do something on purpose with the things of God. I want you to go to Proverbs 4 and just look at a very familiar scripture to you. Again, it's one of those that you've heard, you'll hear several times a year, you know, through this ministry. I mean, thank God for the Proverbs. Give us wisdom for living. What does that mean? It tells us how to live and tells us how we shouldn't live. In Proverbs 4, in, uh, in verse 20, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. The King James will use language like incline what? Incline thine ear what? To my sayings. Say that would be incline thy ear to what? My sayings. Say it would be his sayings. This is how God talks. That's how he talks. The word of God tells you what he says. Our job is to line up with what he says. So something's lost, you know, in, in modern translation in this particular area because it doesn't emphasize the saying. It says, pay attention to, to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them slip out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to man's whole body. This literally means medicine to your entire flesh. How many believe that the key to divine health is the medicine of the Word of God? Now, we don't decry medical science. We appreciate medical science, you know, first of all, because it's a revelation of God to man. They didn't discover it in terms of, I, hey, look at us, aren't we great? No, God gave that to us. He wants people well. But notice this, there is a pathway for the supernatural, and that is putting the Word of God in your eyes and your ears so it come out of your mouth because it's in there in abundance. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. Uh, the, the medicine of God's Word is the key. But how do you know? You have to keep doing it. Just like that bottle of pills not going to do you any good if you take it once every month and don't follow the doctor's prescription. Well, same thing with the Word of God. It doesn't need to be sitting on a table somewhere in the back of your car, in a drawer somewhere. It needs to be out and in your eyes and in your ears and coming out of your mouth. But watch this. Very next verse. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Why? It's telling you that even though you put the word of God in, your mouth can destroy it all. You spend all this time putting the word of God in your eyes and your ears, and you're believing God for something, you're believing God to do something, to heal something in your life, and what happened is your perverse mouth blew it all apart. You've got to make sure you keep that mouth in tow if you're going to be believing God for something. Why? Because your mouth is either going to be speaking faith or speaking fear. Um, watch this and, and understand this. What does perverse mean? Well, write this down because you may think it, uh, it actually you know, means something that it doesn't even though it implies a lot of things. It simply means this. That's not the way it should be. 
Perverse means you shouldn't be talking like that. Perverse means you shouldn't be thinking that way. Perverse means you shouldn't be letting these things come out of your mouth. And we know that anything then, based on the Word of God, that's not of faith is what? Perverse. And it shouldn't be the way that we talk. That's not how believers should be handling themselves. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. It means it shouldn't be that way. It means determined or disposed to go counter to what is expected or to desired, to be desired. In this case, is what does God desire for your mouth? You know what God desires for your mouth and heart? Mouth and heart of faith and not a mouth and heart of fear. Does that make sense? So anything that I say that goes contrary to his word or contrary to the spirit of faith is perverse. Uh, it doesn't have to necessarily be dirty. See, that's where the Western mind goes automatically. All it has to be is contradiction to what God would desire and want in your life. So if he says, I'm the head, not the tail, and I say, I don't believe that, that's perverse. You see this? When God says he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, and you go around saying God doesn't care about that prosperity stuff, that's perverse. When you say God will forgive this, 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 and this, but he can't forgive this in my life, guess what? That's perverse. When God says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you say, I would never call myself righteous. You can call yourself what God calls you. But you walk around talking about you're a weak worm in the dust, and you're a loser, and you're a failure, you never amount to anything, you never do anything. That's perverse. And that perverse talk will rob you of the benefits of sowing the word of God in your eyes and your ears and let it come out of your mouth. It'll absolutely ruin everything you're working towards because it is perverse. Look at somebody and say, that's perverse. Now, because we've defined it as dirty or, you know, or, or basically somehow, you know, clannish or, or inappropriate for a Christian to talk a certain way, we're missing the point. That's only a part of it. Yes, it's perverse for you to talk a certain way that's ugly or dirty or, or using a bunch of cuss words. But guess what? It ought to be just as, as, you know, just as repulsive to you. Listen, to use certain words, cuss words, it should be just as repulsive for you to talk contrary to God's word. And until it gets that way, we're going to compromise the very thing we're believing God for. Amen? Well, I don't like that, that, those, those words that people say on TV and on, on social media. I don't like those things they say, and it offends me. You know what? It ought to offend you to hear a word that's contrary to God's word coming out of your mouth. Amen? Yes. Amen? Because you may be offended by, you know, this cuss word and that cuss word and, and that person, how they, how they do things and how they say things. But you know what? It grieves the heart of God when he says something. Pay attention to my sayings and then we go around contradicting him. What does that mean? It means you're calling him a liar. Let me ask you which is more perverse. Are you saying cuss word or are you calling God a liar? Which is more perverse? I would argue calling God a liar is far more perverse than some cuss word slipping out of your mouth. Now, I know some of you are tempted to try me on that right now. <laughs> no, it is. We're not talking about our perspective here, right? Look at somebody and say, we're going to a higher level. Our perspective is irrelevant. It's about what God thinks through his word. Amen. Are you okay so far? All right, we're just laying the foundation for this. Say it with me. There is one infallible and accurate test for our lives to determine if we're in fear, it's what comes out of our mouth.
Now, how many of y'all had a COVID test and ended up being a false, positive or false negative? Some of you did. This one's never false. 100% of the time, it's going to tell you what spirit you're operating in. Now, there are all kinds of types of fear talk, just in general, before we get into too much uh, of a specific tonight. Casual speech. You know, fear talk can be uh, perverse in terms of the words you shouldn't say, and you were taught you shouldn't say. But casual speech, like death and fear talk. Uh, I don't think anybody instantly dropped down and died when they went around saying, I'm, that scared me to death. First of all, it was a lie because you're still alive. Now, if you died and you're standing up in, in glory and somebody says, well, how'd you die? That scared me to death. <laughs> and so I'm here. It literally scared me to death. And now I'm in heaven because it scared me to death. That would be true. But if you say that and you're still here, then what is that? What is that? It's a lie. The other thing is that it is showing that you're still inundated with this, this fear spirit that's in this world. And you and I have been delivered from that. We don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of what? Power and a love. And a sound mind. So going around talking about this scared me to death and I'm afraid of this and all the death talk and all the fear talk may seem like a minor talk. And to, and to the carnal mind and to the religious mind, this teaching is nonsensical. They cannot grasp what talk, going around talking about that scared me to death, you know, or, or blah, blah, blah. That, that it means it's, it's really just a symptom of a deeper issue. I promise you, somebody that's flipping with their mouth and has death talk in their mouth, that same person is not paying attention to the quality and the consistency of their mouth in terms of the Word of God. So it's not a nonsensical thing. It's actually very, very important. But if you just stop there, you're not getting there far enough. Does that make sense? Oh, I don't cuss. I don't chew. (laughs) Right? I don't say that scared me to death anymore. You know? Well, that's just part of it. The second thing is impure speech. Impure speech is anything, of course, that is untoward for a believer, you know, that is, is dishonorable. Uh, it includes things that, uh, that we've talked about and so much more. Uh, you know, people get a kick out of telling racial or get a kick out of, uh, you know, telling some kind of dirty joke. Well, that would certainly qualify for that. And how many of these things shouldn't be in a believer's life? If you're born again, you have a different way of doing things, don't you? You have a different way of talking. And when somebody at work or somebody starts doing that, what do you do? You don't, you don't have to tell them all they're going all to hell, but you don't certainly want to be a part of that. Amen. It should, it should grieve you when people misuse the mouth that way. So impure speech. Uh, it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's just inundated with streaming today. Uh, you know, and it used to be there's ABC, NBC, CBS, and that was it. Now, I mean, there's, a, there's hundreds and hundreds of channels, and they can spew whatever they want with little regulation because they're bypassing network, amen, broadcasting. Um, now, you and I uh, aren't, aren't called to, to speak that way. But we're also not called to what? To hear that way. I heard a thud in the spirit there. Say it with me. I'm not called to speak that way. So I'm not called to hear that way. (laughs) 
I have no idea what any of us are listening to, but I'm telling you, it's everywhere. And if it comes to the place where it no longer grieves us, then there needs to be what? You know, some reflection. We're not talking about condemnation here. But when I said that, that slapped some of you in the face like an old wet fish. Because you'll hear things you wouldn't dare say. Amen. And it's, amen, it's difficult in the world that we live in, everywhere you go. You work in a military environment. Oh, my goodness. I mean, there are some guys and girls in the military that are, that are, that are clean, that are believers, that walk in honor. But a lot of them, man, that's just, they, they, they have a Ph.D. in cussing. <laughs> Steve, like you've been in the Navy, you know what I'm talking about. Vietnam era, and they had a lot to cuss about, didn't they? <laughs> but you know, um, if we're going to go down this path and look at somebody and say, we are, we're going to the next level. Um, if we're not going to talk a certain way, we shouldn't hear a certain way. Say it with me, I'm going to talk in purity, and I'm going to hear in purity. That may, may come as a revelation to you tonight, or it may come as a refresher to you. That maybe you haven't been saying things, but maybe you've been allowing yourself to what? Hear things and ignoring it. The problem is that stuff gets in you, and it's not producing faith. Let me help you out here. Y'all okay? And, and if you don't shift in your seat or get up and leave, I'll never know it's you. So just, just chill and say amen and Amen, that's right. Bobby needs to hear this. <laughs> um, all that stuff is is a manifestation of fear. The reason people talk like that is, is because they're not in faith. All kinds of impure speech is a manifestation of fear. All of it. Amen. Somehow thinking that it empowers them to, to talk that way. Well, again, uh, if they're talking that way out of fear, how do we think that we can listen to it without it imparting fear into us? Say it with me. There's only two possible scenarios here. Spirit of fear. Say it with me. Spirit of fear. Spirit of faith. Uh, as I'm preaching the word and you're putting your eyes on the word tonight, what should be cultivated in your life right now? Fear of faith. Not fear. Right. So if you're going to talk faith, should you also hear faith? Yes. yes. You see the connection? I'm going to be a faith person, so I'm going to talk faith, but I'm also going to hear faith, and I'm going to what? Receive it. Same thing on the other hand. If I'm going to listen, if I'm going to talk fear, I'm not going to talk fear, then I don't want to hear fear. And there's the rub right now. This is why the body of Christ is baptized in fear all over the nation. Because the subtleties, forget about that. I mean, hardcore all in with this stuff all over the nation. And you, know, you can battle something, believe against something. You can even use wisdom in an area like this nation the world's been through without you personally coming into fear. Now, why do so many Christians, Barna says as many as 40% of American Christians have yet to return to church? Is that because they got a revelation personal from Jesus appearing to them? contradicting his word, telling them not to forsake the assembling of themselves together as the manner of some? No. What, what happened? Did suddenly God remove Hebrews from the Bible? No. What happened? 
fear. Faith would say, march on, little soldier. Fear would say, get in your cocoon. And that's just the natural manifestation of this thing. The implications are far greater than that. How can I possibly minister in faith when I can't even live in faith? Amen. So casual speech, like death talk, fear talk, is one dimension of this. Impure speech, we'll talk more about that, is anything that uh, is not right for a believer. But impure hearing will go right along with that. Unscriptural speech, number three. This is a speech that does not line up at all with the Word of God. It's not faith, it's fear. And whenever we contradict the Word with our speech, we're speaking fear, the only other option for human beings. So when I say, uh, He is the Lord that healeth me, guess what? That is faith coming out of your mouth. You don't have to have everything figured out to function this way either. You don't have to explain anything. All you need to do is make sure that your mouth and heart stays on the Word of God. Amen? Is it God's will to save everyone? Yes. Does the Word say that? Yes. So if I go around talking about it's only God's will to save certain people, I adopt the, the hellish, demonic teaching of Calvinism where only certain people are going to be saved because that's God's will. That directly flies into the face of what God says. He's not willing that any should perish. But that what? All. You listen to the language? Not that any should perish, but what? All. So we now know from Scripture that somebody who chooses not to give their life to Christ, somebody who chooses to, hell, to go to hell, that, is not, that has nothing to do with God's will. You see this? The person that, that functions that way functions based on experience. If I, if I see somebody reject Christ and don't go to heaven, well, it must not be God's will for them to go to heaven. Same thing with healing, same thing with abundance, same thing with deliverance, same thing with any category you can think of. Someone uh, not having something does not indicate God's will. That is an immature approach towards the Word of God. The will of God and His Word are one, regardless of what you observe with your senses. You cannot walk by faith and then say, you know what, well, this happened and I'm not happy about this, so now what I'm going to do, I'm going to come down off my faith, the sixth sense, and I'm going to go back to my five senses. And these are going to now rule my life. I saw this happen, I heard this happen, and now that's going to have greater weight to me than the Word of God. No, you could see something happen, experience something, you could hear something, and you can still choose, I'm going to stay with the Word of God. Though none go with me. I said, though none go with me, huh? first place and final authority. The word is right and people are wrong. Always. Come on, say, God is right. His word is right. People are wrong. So I don't base what I believe based on what people are going through. If I did that, I'd be a nutcase and so would you. You're sitting under a nutcase, you become a nutcase. No, we live according to what God's Word says. So unscriptural speech is, is actually fear-based speech because there's only one reason why we would contradict the Word of God. It's because of the presence of fear. Wherever you find God's Word contradicted in Scripture, wherever you find it in, in, in contradicted in people's lives, in your daily lives, in your family, you're finding out that's the spirit of fear operating because it's the only other possibility. Say it with me, fear or faith. Say it boldly, faith or fear. 
It's the only other option for a human being. So say it with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am saved. I am healed. I am prosperous. I'm more than a conqueror. I am the head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. These blessings shall come upon me and overtake me. And when you just went through just those few scriptures, how did that make your inner man feel? <laughs> huh? Bold and courageous and encouraged. That's how faith manifests versus fear. So casual speech, impure speech, unscriptural speech, and then last is just a general category of fearful speech. But the person has no filter at a very specific moment in their life. And we all have these. When pressure comes on them, what's in them comes out. When the pressure hits some situation, some challenge, whatever is in them at that moment, faith or fear, that's coming out. Now, when Jesus went to pray for Jairus' daughter, uh, what did he do? The crying and the wailing and she's already dead and all this commotion going on. What did he do? He put it out. Why? Because there was what? Faith or fear. And he took very few prayer party with him, didn't he? Very small prayer party. And he went in there and he spoke to that little girl and commanded her to what? To get up. And what did she do? But notice that he was not going to try to mix this commotion, this fear commotion with operating in faith. In fact, when he, when he looked at Jairus, what did he say to him? Fear not, what? Only believe. It literally means in the Greek, stop the fear. Stop the fear and believe. You see, he was headed down that path of fear. He knew the Lord had the power. He had the authority. He was the resurrection. He was the life. And yet, what happened? Here's the fear. Why? Because he could see the same thing. Look, if I'm going up to Jesus and saying, please, you know, come tend to my daughter, you know, uh, she's in a bad way. And then his associate says in my earshot, she's already dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. That's not inspiring fear. Does that make, Jesus, that make sense? So Jesus was, of course, you know, preempting that by saying, fear not or stop the fear, only believe. Uh, fearful speech is, is what comes out of you when the pressure is on. Anybody here ever hear themselves saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Pressure is on. That is what? That is fear talking. Amen. When the pressure is on and, you know, God knows what he's doing. I trust God. Amen. The faith says, I'm not concerned about this. I've sowed my seed. They get up and say, I'm a tither. Someone who's been operating in fear over finances can't say that. So what's going to come under pressure? When pressure comes, what's going to happen is whatever's on the inside of them. But guess what? You rise up and say, I did, you know, yeah, okay, this is an issue. I have to face this with my faith and with the word of God. But I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm walking in love. I know the promises of God. He's done it before. He'll do it again. We've been through worse things than this before. Does that make sense? But that's not going to come out of you unless you've been cultivating faith before the pressure hits. Before the pressure comes, you're either cultivated a spirit of fear or a spirit of faith. Amen. 
And how many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if pressure has ever hit you. And did you, have you ever surprised yourself when that fear came out? Not that you want to testify about tonight. But have you also had times when pressure came on you and nothing but faith came out? Because you've been headed down the right path. Now, the further you go in this, the experiences of faith coming out should outnumber what? The fear coming out. But they both came the same way because you cultivated one or the other based on your inputs. Amen. Faith or fear. So I can't tell you, and no one should tell you, that you'll never have pressure. In this world, you will have pressure. <laughs> you will have trouble. You will have pressure. But be of what? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he goes further in John by John saying, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? faith. So I'm not going to yield to fear what I know what, what faith will do. This is the victory that overcomes the world, the pressure, the circumstance, the issue, even our faith, even our believing God. So I want you to understand this, that fear never stays in the heart, ever. It will never stay there. I mean, you can try to keep it in, but it's going to come out. If fear is in the heart, it's coming out of the mouth. Fear never stays in the heart. It always comes out of the, of the heart through the mouth. And when that fear is released... It impacts the direction and the outcome of our lives, James 3. Make no mistake about it. When faith comes out, it impacts the direction and the outcome of our lives. Because the Bible says our mouth, our tongue is actually the rudder. Amen. So if fear is in there, guess what's going to happen? It's coming out. If it comes out, what's going to happen? It's going to impact life, direction, and outcome. And that's when the, uh, you know, the unlearned Christian blames God or Tom, Dick, or Harry for everything that's going on. Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, what have you been cultivating? And if you've been cultivating faith, you could say, you know what? This too will be overcome. This is not going to destroy me. This is not going to defeat me. God is bringing me victory in this situation. Now, I don't have a, a lot of time to, to deal with this, but I want to... I want to just mention uh, you know, some of these examples. If you open up your mouth, your heart's going to fall out. Fear or faith is going to fall out every single time. There is no exception to that. Say it with me. Fear, Fear. or faith will fall out. How can I stop that from happening? You can't. If you decide, you know what, well, I'm just not going to do anything, guess what? You're still going to have one or the other falling out. And if you sit there and put it on cruise control, how many know fear is going to end up coming out? Yes, you get lazy about it. You remember in number 13, the 12 spies. What did they do? We know they were afraid where? In their hearts, because what? Because when they came out and they spoke about it, they spoke what? We can't do this. They're bigger than us. They're going to destroy us. And guess what? We had a bunch of people hearing the fear and it spread through what? The entire camp. What was in them came out. Fear never stays in the heart. Well, there were ten of them, but there were two gentlemen who had a spirit of faith. And Caleb rose up and he silenced the people. Why would he do that? 
enough of the fear talk. I don't think he would have expressed it exactly the same way that we know it now and teach it now, but he had enough sense to know that this can't go any further or we're all going to lose a blessing. Basically told them to shut up and began to what? Speak faith. And what was their response to his little speech? We can't do this. He was, uh, we can surely do this. God has ordained us to do this. We can take the land. There was, we can't do this because oh, look at all the circumstances. And have you noticed how quickly the mass of people are so willing to get on the fear bandwagon? To believe the evil report. To believe the worst of someone. Huh? Moses has brought us out here to what? Die. To die. That was his agenda. That's what he wanted for us was just death. We should what? Elect a leader and go back. Did you hear that? We don't want God's leader. We're going to elect another leader, right? A fear leader. We don't want a faith leader. Give us a fear leader so we can go back where it was so great, 400 years. Make the bricks. 400 years of wonderful oppression. That's how twisted fear will make you. It'll make you look like your oppressor is a blessing. But faith will say, no, our future is not back there with the pharaohs. Our future is in the promised land with our God. And how many know Caleb eventually got to get what he said with his mouth? But how many know they all got what they said with their mouth? In fact, the Lord said, I've heard every word you say, and everything you said is going to come to pass. That's how powerful words are. That's the way the universe works. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you get what you say. So be careful what you say. I love this, this story in 2 Kings about the famine in chapter 7, how the prophet comes out and finally says, you know what, guess what, here's what's going to happen. The economy is terrible. Food prices are soaring. But guess what? This time tomorrow what's going to happen is the bottom's going to fall out of the market in terms of expense, and the prices are going to be low, and this guy basically does what? The attendant to the king. Uh-huh, yeah, like, like that's going to happen. Why did he say that? He said, well, he was a, he was a, a skeptic. He was a realist. Listen carefully, my friend. Skeptics and realists hide behind their fear. Yes. That's actually what it is. No, this is not going to happen. You are crazy. I'm afraid we're all going to die. And you know what the prophet told him? I'm not going to go over the scripture, but 2 Kings 7.19, you can look up for yourself. The prophet said, guess what? It's going to happen, but you're not going to have any of it. You're not going to get it. In Mark chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus said, you know, tell them to sit down. We're going to basically believe God for this. And what does the disciple say? No, that's not it. <laughs> that's, a that's a different one altogether. Eh? <laughs> Grace for the St. Louis lady. Grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> Here's what they said. An entire year's worth salary would not what? Would not pay for this. Do you know that that is at least what was in their treasury at that moment? They had enough money to pay for it in the natural. That's not the point. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Do you see this? Is it possible to be a disciple and fear come out? Yes. Watch this. Lack, talk, woe is me, never going to make it. 
We'll never be able to pay that bill. We'll never get our debt. All that lack talk, that's fear talk. See, we just kind of have all these different names for it, but you need to just break down everything that comes out of your mouth. Listen, everything into two categories. Faith or fear. Faith or fear. Just stop every once in a while when you're talking and say, now, am I talking faith or fear? Jesus was talking what? Faith. What was the disciple talking? Fear. Lack. There's no way this is going to work out. Well, I mean, understand when you're dealing with the Son of God and the anointing for increase, what's in the treasury doesn't matter. Whether you can pay for it or not is irrelevant. Amen. How about Matthew where Jesus gave the talents to the various individuals? And the one who got five, what happened to him? He came back and said, you know what? I put it to work and look what I have. Amen. Well done. And what's the second one? How many did he get? He got two. What did he do? He came back and he said, look, I've, I've, I've doubled basically what you have given me. Right? What did he do? He invested and it was blessed and he came back. What about the one he gave one? Look, I, here's what is yours. I put it in the ground and buried it. Why? Why? He was afraid. Fear manifested in his mouth. What do they all have in common? In the story of the spies, fear came out of their mouth. The officer who was the attendant to the king, fear came out of his mouth. The disciple in the story of the multitude being fed, fear came out of his mouth. What about the servant here? Fear came out of his mouth, and it wasn't even honorable because it wasn't even true. It wasn't an unjust master. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is not unjust. He doesn't expect a harvest where he hasn't sown. But listen to me carefully. He does expect a harvest where he has sown. And he has sown in your life. Come on, say it big time. He has sown in our lives. Go to Ephesians 4. Come on, confess this out loud. Say, everything coming out of my mouth can be broken down into two categories. Fear or faith. And if you think about it, it's kind of nice to know there's only two. I mean, God said there are 50 categories. Discern. Chapter 4. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth, what? In what? Do what? Speaking the truth. Speaking the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, from the whole body joined and held together. By every supporting limit grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Speaking the truth in what? In what? In love. Amen. Perfect love casts out all fear. Write this down. The presence of fear means the absence of love. Which helps you know very quickly. If I'm not talking in love, why? 
because fear is present. Simple illustrations or monumental illustrations. You know, you somebody's taking too slow, you know, maybe too long somewhere at a, at a checkout stand or whatever, and you get uptight and you begin to get mouthy. Why'd you get mouthy? Because you're afraid that you're not going to get what? Checked out on time or whatever it is you have planned or whatever's going on. You came out of love because you came into what? Into fear. You will be amazed. The counsel that's out there right now, even among Christian counselors, that will tell Christian people, you know what? What you need to do is find as many people you can and talk about this situation because that venting is healthy for you. No. Speaking your fear, if you're coming out of love with your talk, you're in fear, you're not in what? Faith. There's a powerful thing in Scripture. You know, we all should try it. That will help you deal with anything that anybody has ever done to you or said about you. Any betrayal, any backstab, any, you know, untoward speech, you know, any kind of rumor. It's a powerful thing. It's called forgiveness. And if I won't forgive, I'm not in love, and I'm not in love because fear is operating. So here you have a good illustration tonight. The gossip is a gossip because they're afraid. The slander is a slander because they're afraid. I'm afraid that you're going to hook up with them or side with them, so I have to use my mouth in fear to stop that from happening. The problem is it'll never do anything but devastate you and everybody else around you. Root of bitterness springing up, you know, causing many to be defiled. All you have to do is just push the pause button and wait for the fruit to show. And you'll see which one walked in love and which one walked in fear. Amen. Amen. Speak the truth. That's the command of God. Nothing wrong with truth. That's why we should be living. But do it so in love, not in a thing called fear. God assigned uh, Keith more recently to deal with this issue. And first he, he taught it to uh, his staff. And um, then the next group he taught it to was in the minister's conference. And, and here's what he said. Uh, first of all, you know, the, the test for anything you say in your mouth. Now remember what we're, we're doing tonight. If, if something is out of love, it's in fear. Say it with me. If I'm talking out of love, then it's in fear. Do you see this? In fear, out of love. He, he, he was talking about this. Speak the truth in love. Right? So the first parameter is, is it true? And the reason God gave this to him is because there's a lot of people sucked into this in the body of Christ right now, various conspiracy theories. All kinds of things out there. And so you and I find ourselves repeating something, either personally or corporately or in social media, that so-and-so said, that so-and-so said, that so-and-so said. But if you ask yourself this question, is it true? You never would have done that. Because you can't verify it. Do you see the standard tonight? The standard is not what I heard from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so. Amen. How do you know? 
It's true. Well, I trust that minister. I trust that prayer partner. Listen, listen, you're making a mistake here. You need to know something is true before what? You say it or you're violating this principle. And why would you say something that's not true? Fear. Some deeply seated, ingrained, manifesting fear that we have this desire to say things for whatever motive, whatever reason, but behind that all is fear, or we wouldn't do that. Is it true? Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things in our nation that people have labeled conspiracies. They're not conspiracies. They're true. And how do you know there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed? And so, you know, not everything that somebody labels a conspiracy theory is, in fact, a conspiracy. It's true. But a lot of Christians run around saying things and repeating things like parrots. They don't know they're true. He says, so the first parameter is, is it true? Yeah, I heard some so, but how do you know it's true? And if you don't know it's true, then you shouldn't be saying it. And the second thing is, if you know it's true, is it in love? If it's not in love, then it's in fear. So you can... Know things, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to say things. Do you know that people in the ministry, by virtue of the office God has assigned to them, know things? I'm going to spook you tonight, but I know things about you. Why do you suppose God would give words of knowledge and words of wisdom? Why do you suppose that God would give that? to his spiritual leadership. And it's not just limited, of course, to pastors. You understand that. So we can what? Beat up with people, you know, or pray for them and minister to them. See, uh, just because you might receive an unction for a tongue in a church doesn't mean you're the one that should give it. Just because there's an unction for a prophecy doesn't mean you should give it. Does that make sense? In other words, you, you know very plainly God is moving, God is rolling, something's happening here, but should you do it? Not just because you felt like something was going to happen. Does that make sense? And we all do that, and it's a, it's a learning process. And I mean, if you've ever been used by God at all, you know you can go back to when you had to learn some of these things. It's not a big deal. And that's not really even the point. But I want to tell you this. Is it, is it true is one parameter. Is it in love is the other. And sometimes the loving thing to do is to say nothing. But yet, my brothers and sisters, sometimes the loving thing is to say Amen. And you'll find that Christians will be raised up to say things that are true and they're said in love, but the reaction is not consistent with how it was sown. Amen. If you don't believe that, just read about Paul's excursions and journeys in ministry. Amen. A lot of things happen because he spoke to what? The truth in love. For the believer, this is the way the Spirit gave this to me today. For the believer, failure begins where love ends. If we're not speaking in love, we're speaking in some manifestation of fear because faith works by love. It's marked and energized by love. That means there are a lot of Christians living and talking in what? In fear. Now say it with me, I'm going up. Come on, say, I'm going up. I'm going up. It's not just the cussing. It's not just the, the tail bearing. 
It's not just the stories. It's not just the unscriptural talk. Amen? It's knowing that everything coming out of your mouth is coming from a place of faith or fear. And it is the absolute infallible test as to what you know, spirit's operating in your life right now. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I choose faith. I choose love. Amen. Um, we can justify all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, an awful lot of people in the body of Christ with the use of their mouth are proving they're actually in fear and not in faith. And that same person will wonder why things aren't working for them. What did Proverbs say? Incline thine ear into my sayings. Amen. And then it goes on to say, put perversity, what? Far from you. These things won't work with a perverse mouth. They won't work mixing fear with that faith. Amen. Are you still here tonight? I said, are you here tonight? Amen. Amen. Um, concept in the past week or so just, just really uh, exploded in my spirit. And I'm, I'm meditating on it as to whether just to fully develop it for you. Uh, you know, I understand that when I give it to you. But uh, it's, it's the word hallmark. And I don't mean Christmas cheesy movies around the holidays. I'm talking about the card company. I'm talking about the meaning of this word. Everybody say hallmark. And hallmark literally is the most distinctive quality or feature of a thing or a person. The most distinctive feature. Think about it like this. It's what you're known for. If we were to take a poll tonight with your name, what would people say you are known for? Now, how many want to go to the higher level? What we need to be known by is by faith and by love. Amen. But only you know in your heart if that's true or not. If people were to say that's, that's what you are known by. If I say the word mother, or the name Mother Teresa, what is she known for? Compassion. If I say the name Tom Brady, what is he known for? Football. If I say the name Mike Tyson, what is he known for? Craziness. <laughs> ear. <laughs> He's known for Evander Holyfield, a born-again spirit-filled brother's ear. So that must make him the devil. <laughs> Bite the ear off of a Holy Ghost man. Everybody see the, the picture here? The hallmark in your life is what you're known for. It's your most distinctive feature. And if you and I really want to flow in the anointing, we really want to see devils cast out and the dead raised and the sick healed. If you really, 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 see, I really, really, really. If you really want to be the miracle capital of the world, then guess what? We're going to have to be known by, by love. Because to be out of love is to be in fear, and faith works by love. Every individual, every person, every family, known by what? 
That doesn't mean everybody agrees with you and everything you say or do. It just means your attitude, your demeanor, your spirit is what? You're not coming out of love in the course of doing your responsibilities, being a husband or wife, being a father or mother, you know, being a child of God, being in the ministry, being at the workplace. You, you know, when people begin to see you, and how many understand where we are right now, we can make a change. I mean, if you're honest today, you say, me known for love, that's a joke. It doesn't have to stay that way. Turn to somebody and tell them it doesn't have to be a joke. But if we were to seriously evaluate, what's the hallmark of your life, the number one distinctive feature, what would people say? Well, I don't care what people say. You're missing the point. Amen. What is the Spirit of God telling you the hallmark of your life is? Huh? Amen. The point is, if, if and people you know, have asked this for years, and I've you know, people tell me, well, I know that faith is certainly a variable when it comes to receiving from God, and I, and I know that, that hope is, I understand all these things, I understand the, the, the interplay of our patience, you know, I'm believing God for something, but at the foundational level for this, uh, the body of Christ is not loving enough to get the results of Jesus. And greater work shall you do? we better have the distinctive feature of our lives. Be what? Be love. And love's not running around cussing, telling stories, trying to get people to sympathize with them. Amen. Love, love does never take their offense and then try to get other people to get offended on their behalf as well. That is the epitome of fear. Fear. And fear will never produce the results that you want. Amen. Never does that. Love doesn't talk crosswise with the word of God. Amen. Well, I walk in love. I love people. I just, I believe being a realist, a skeptic. You know, I, I just call it as I see them. You better start calling them as God sees them. Because to do so means you're walking out of love. When you're under pressure, what comes out? If we squeeze you just uh, like a sponge tonight, what's coming out? Whatever's in there. Amen. Glory to God. How many can say that from your heart tonight? You want your hallmark to be love. How many all mean that tonight? Your number one characteristic, your distinctive feature. I would, I would suggest to you that as a Christian, there are certainly other things that we're responsible for. The fruit of the Spirit's not there by accident, is it? But the greatest of these is what? It's love. Can I tell you some good news tonight? There's still time to repent. If, if the hallmark has not been love, there's time to repent. Change your mind and your corresponding behavior. Amen? Right now, just to wrap it up for you, there are only two forces that are possible tonight operating in your spirit. One is love. And one is fear. Faith and fear, love. You understand the connection. You are either walking in faith and love or you're walking in fear. Amen. Well, I don't know about you. I don't want any more of the devil's goods. The manifestation that he has. Amen. So let's just make that commitment tonight. Why don't you just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. And